0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast.
1: Good to see you. You are very, very welcome. Um, Hungry to get into the word? Yes, good. Some of us are. That's great. Um, I want to talk to you today about having courage. One of the commands that God says to his people throughout Scripture is be strong. Be courageous for I am with you. He inspires his people throughout scripture to do this time and time and time again. And now more than ever in our uncertain world, we have got to be courageous. We have got to be strong. We have got to be bold. And what we're gonna hear about is that's different to feeling bold. Being bold and feeling bold are totally different. And God calls you to be bold. He doesn't call you to feel confident. He calls you to be courageous. There's a difference, okay? I wanna to talk to you a little bit about that, of how we do that in the middle of the uncertainties that we are facing, because life is uncertain. We have challenges, we have difficulties. So how do we do it, okay? Joshua 1.9 says, we've heard this time and time again, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, I used to read this, I used to put a lot of pressure on myself. Oh, God has commanded me. I've got to do it. But I read it differently now, and it's actually God says, have I, the Lord your God, the one who is above it all, have I not commanded you? Not that there's a pressure of you must do or else, but I, the one who is above it all, am the one who commands you. Therefore, You can be strong. You can be courageous. You don't have to be discouraged because I'm with you wherever you go. Amen. So wherever you set your foot and there are places that God calls us to move, and we've talked about this the last couple of months, God gives you the gift of grace, the gift of faith, but he wants you to walk in it. He wants you to possess the land, possess the blessings that he has for you. And that has been a theme over the last couple of months. And what God wants to communicate to you today is despite The presence of your fear, you can stand and declare he's good all the time. You can declare that my God who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And that you can declare that over your situation, declare that over your failures, your mistakes, your past, your history. You can declare that this morning. And God wants you to go a little deeper with him, wants to take you a little deeper in the experience of his presence, but through the fear and out the other side. You'll remember a couple of weeks ago. We had Rachel here last week, but a couple of weeks ago we talked about fight, flight and freeze. Do you remember that? This is a bit of a continuation on that. It's not quite part two, but I'm honing in just on the courageousness, the courage of David and what that looks like. You'll remember in fight, flight, freeze, we have those stress responses to things. You know, we, we pause, we freeze, we flee away from things. You may remember the story of why I stole a week's shopping accidentally. Um, if you haven't heard that, I'll tell you about it later. Um, and I had all these reactions, all these emotions, and fear does that to us. It brings a reaction in our lives, and we'll know that from situations that we're in. There are always two competing sides in our lives, and it's fear and love. You will always have a way of responding to any given situation. It's either going to be out of fear and panic and distress or it's gonna be out of knowing that you're loved and that God is with you. These are the only two ways to respond to situations. You can name other words for them, but that's what it is, it's root. It's fear and love. And they're always competing in our lives. Whenever you're faced with a situation that you can't control, a situation you don't have the strength, it will result in the presence of fear. And we experience the likes of Fear of failure, fear of loss. It could be fear and a loss in our health or of stuff or physical things. It could be fear of rejection. We, we face this in situations. And we will always give ourselves an easy out of a reason to fear. It's actually very easy to go, I should be afraid because of this. But it takes great courage to say in the middle of adversity, I'm choosing faith. I'm choosing to believe that God is with me. The easy out is to believe that there's fear. So there's these two competing sides in our lives. Um, It's kind of a bit like me in that on one side of my life, I try to be stereotypically masculine, okay? I eat steak for breakfast sometimes. I eat Five, six eggs every morning. I drink black coffee. So I try to be, I lift weights, I do whatever. And then the other side of me like loves a spa. Love going to the spa, like the sauna, the steam room. I love a raspberry and strawberry and kiwi tea. Like, honestly. In the evening, Lauren says, What cup of tea do you want? I go give of those strawberry and kiwi and lavender teas, would you? They'd just be wonderful. So I have these competing sides in my life. And if you know me by now, you know that's true, actually. But the truth is we have these competition in our lives, which is the side that has faith in God's goodness. He's working in my life. I see it. And then this other side of our lives where we're drawn back to fear. We're drawn back to not so sure about if he's going to move in my life. We always have this competition. Other areas, it's we believe he's moving and then we have a struggle because we're not seeing the fullness of it in our lives. We believe in his promise, but we're not seeing it. But there is a call in the middle of this juxtaposition, these two competing sides, to be courageous, to make the decision in the middle of the, I'm trying to choose faith, but I'm a little bit afraid. In the middle, there's a decision to be made. I'm gonna be strong. I'm gonna be courageous because God is with me. So I wanna talk to you a little bit about that. We have heard time and time again, if we live according to our fears and our feelings, if we let them dictate our future, often what we do is we view our problems and our situation in light of how they appear to us. Okay, I spoke about this a couple weeks ago as well, that the Israelites, they viewed Goliath, the giant, in his physical appearance. He was bigger than them, more significant than them, he was more powerful than them, and they viewed it in their own sight. And if we do that, if we, if we live our lives by our own feelings, by what things look like to us, we will be led by fear. It'll cause panic and actually you'll live to a lesser standard than what God has for you. You won't be able to believe for anything because you'll be seeing it in your own sight. And we heard about that time and time again with the Israelites. The wonderful thing is, courage is not the same as confidence. Sometimes in our lives, we wait until we feel a little more confident before we step out for God. We wait until we feel more comfortable before we do something new. We say, if I only feel a little bit better, then I'll maybe do it then. If I only feel a wee bit more confident, then I'll change jobs or I'll listen to what God says, but I need to feel it first. See, the reality is you will feel better once you start. You will feel better once you start to move. So courage and confidence are not the same thing, but whenever you are courageous, confidence follows, okay? And that's the really key part. Confidence doesn't come first. Courage does, and then the confidence comes, What is courage, really, if we think a little bit about it? We have heard this before, and that courage can be described as this willingness to act in the face of fear and adversity. It's to do something that makes you afraid. Now, the truth is, we all have things, situations, that make us feel afraid, that present themselves to us and say, are you going to be afraid of this? And we feel it. We have the tendency, the temptation to feel afraid, but courage is the ability to stand up in the middle of it and say, I'm going to be bold even if I don't feel it. We all have situations that we're facing. I have one today. It's going to the garden center. That for me is like, I need great faith and great courage to step into the garden center. That's where we're going after church. I have been told, Lawrence says, thus I have commanded you, Adam, we will be going to the garden centre after. It takes great courage for me to step in the garden centre. You can give me any situation and I will try and have faith for it. But this is a different matter, folks. So I've got this this afternoon and I'm really not looking forward to it. Lauren, if you're listening, um, buckle up. Um, So... Courage is the willingness to act in the middle of adversity. Now, the Hebrew word is basically just to grow strong, to be firm, to be bold. The Greek word is tharseo, whenever Jesus says take courage. And it basically means to be emboldened where you then literally radiate warm confidence. That's what it means. You're emboldened, you're strengthened, you're empowered by God and then that's what radiates out of you, okay? But notice what comes first, the strengthening inside of you and then the confidence flows. That's what courage is. Now when Jesus says fear not, it's phobeo is the Greek word and that is literally to flee from a situation, to be seized, frozen by fear. And again, we spoke about those things as well. Maya Angelou, who is the civil rights activist's author, she talks about how courage is the most important of all of the virtues, because without courage, you actually can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can practice any other virtue erratically, love and goodness, you can just throw them out there, but to be consistent, you need courage in your life. You need courage and openness and boldness to love, to be vulnerable. You need courage to have faith in your situation. You need courage in your relationships to be consistently loving, faithful, good. But this is the key one: be courageous. And that's why, like throughout Scripture, that any most of the stories you will just see God saying, "Take heart, have courage, be strong." I'm with you, from the Gideons to Hezekiahs to David to David speaking to Solomon, to Jesus and the disciples. It's there throughout. Not feel confident, no, have courage in me, have strength. And God's gonna start to just pinpoint little things for you this morning of where do I need more courage? Where do I need to be emboldened and strengthened? Where do I need to believe again in my life? And he's gonna pinpoint throughout Every one of us has this potential to be courageous. There's this notion of, it's called latent potential. So it's like paper has this potential to be highly flammable, but until it's lit with a match, it can't do anything. Okay, so it's this latent potential. We all have this ability, potential, to be bold, but until we find ourselves in situations where it's required, you can't be courageous, okay? Courage requires the presence of fear, to be courageous. It requires you to step out, to trust God, to say, this is what you've told me, therefore I'm going to act on it, okay? So it's, it's this latent potential. Now, there's an author called James Clear. He has a book called Atomic Habits. I would highly recommend this book. Now, I don't believe he's a Christian, but it's a really interesting book about your habits and your life. He will talk about how there's this plateau of latent potential, we think in our lives that progress, as time goes on, it should, it should just be linear. I should just be improving all of the time. God should just continually work in my life. That's not what happens. Often we just plateau for a long time and we started to believe and there was a little bit of growth. And then it just seems to go right across and we're wondering, where's the blessing? Where's the breakthrough? What happens? And do you know what happens? We stop believing because we're not seeing progress. We stop stepping out. We stop having boldness. But actually, we've just stopped at the moment where we're just about to see God do something. That's what it's called—this latent potential. And we all have this potential to believe, but we stop sometimes. And this is what Israel were world class at. And James Clear would talk, talk about it and call it this valley of disappointment. We're in a valley of disappointment where we were courageous for God. We believed. We stepped out. We didn't see anything, and we just stop early, right before we're going to see breakthrough. But you all have the potential to believe. You all have the potential to see God's goodness. But it's about, again, agreeing with what he's done in your life. In the story of David and Goliath, there are three types of courage. And I call them courage within, courage against, and courage around. Now, courage within, we'll talk about that. This is probably the most important one. If you're taking notes, note these down. Courage within, courage against, and courage around you. Now, courage within is... This willingness to look inside of yourself, to look in the mirror and say, do I want to be, do I want to be the person that you have called me to be? Who are you calling me to be? And am I going to partner with that? It's the stuff that David would have done before he even got to Goliath, which is who are you making me to be Who have you called me to be? What's my purpose? What's my calling? And courage within is the most important one really at all because without a revelation of who God has made you to be, you'll not be able to exercise the other two. So that's courage within. Courage against is the more famous, the public courage, which is there's Goliath in front of me. I'm standing up bold because of what he's done in me because of courage within I can stand against whatever comes. No matter if anybody else isn't facing it, I can have boldness to face him. But without the first one, without realizing in your own heart, this is who he's called me to be. I trust it. I believe it. I'm gonna walk in it. Without that revelation, you're not standing against anything. So you need the first one. Courage against is not standing against Goliath. Courage around is a little different. And this is probably the state of affairs in the world today. Courage around is acting out of that revelation to obey God when something's stirred in your spirit and something's just not quite right. Something's not quite right, whether it's the society we're living in, whether it's something you need to speak up against, whether it's encouragement you need to bring to someone when they need it. It's when the world asks you, what are you going to do with what God has put in your life? The story of David, you'll remember David and Goliath, his brother says to him, what are you doing here? You're just meddling. You shouldn't even be here. You're just nosy. And then King Saul says to him, put this armor on. This is how you'll fight Goliath. But David had a stirring in his spirit to say, no, no, I have courage of what God's done with me. And he speaks up against these authorities in his life. That's courage around when everybody else questions you, when everybody else says, why are you believing for that? Why do you really believe God's gonna do that in your moment? This is the way that you should do it. Put this on you. Do this way. This is the way I would do it. So three types of courage. Courage within, courage against, and courage around. And each one of you will have situations of where, yeah, that's where I can be more courageous. That's the voice that's been speaking into my life. That's the situation I need to face. That's the call God's put in here. So three types of courage in this story. But before you can display any of those aspects of courage, the most key part is how you see yourself. Speaking about masculinity, do you like my water bottle? I have been questioned on this by three or four people in work. said, is that, is that Lauren's water bottle? I go, no, clearly, clearly not. Um, clearly not. One of the keys to having any aspects of those courage is how you see yourself. It's how you look at your own life and whether you decide I'm worthy of blessing because of what he's done. See, if you have a lower view of yourself, if you look down upon yourself and you don't actually believe God can work in your life, it doesn't matter what God says to you. It doesn't matter what he says he's got for you. It doesn't matter what the blessing is on the other side of the, the river or the mountain or the valley. It doesn't matter if you don't see yourself worthy to receive it. This is so important because it will stop you at hurdle one. You'll not believe for anything in your life if you don't believe you can receive it. Remember the Israelites? They saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own sight. Not in the in the sight of the giants, too, yes, but in their own sight, they were insignificant. If you believe yourself to be insignificant, if you look at your life and go, I don't like myself. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy to receive love because of all the other parts of me that nobody knows about. If you can't get over that hurdle. It doesn't matter me standing up here telling you to be courageous. You've got to have it in here first that you're worthy of love, that you're worthy of blessing, that you're worthy of forgiveness. God has forgiven you. You have got to believe that he's done it for you and it, it applies to you. Because if you can't do that, you can't show any courage whatsoever. They viewed themselves in light of their own, their own view of themselves. They measured themselves as insignificant. How are you measuring yourself? Some of you have had big, big wins in your life. You have massive breakthroughs where you look back and say, God did it for me. But what you've done like the Israelites is you haven't allowed that to integrate into your heart. You've allowed the next negative experience to be the one you identify with. See, the Israelites were fresh out of Egypt. They were fresh out of slavery. God had brought them through hardship, crossing the Red Sea, but they didn't allow it to get into the beat of their heart. They didn't allow it to be part of their identity of we are the ones who are delivered. They stepped against the giants and just saw the next negative experience. We can't overcome this. But the truth is, he overcomes this for me. I can't overcome anything in my life. He overcomes it all for me. But they continue to adopt the old slavery mindset, which is we're still in Egypt mentally. We're still in Egypt in our hearts. And God says to you that to be able to be courageous, to be able to be strong and bold, you have got to believe that you are no longer insignificant. You have got to believe that you're worthy of growth and blessing and strength and being emboldened and empowered because of him. Because he has put his presence and power in your life. See, if you can't do that, like the Israelites, you will get stuck like they did for 40 years not facing the giants. You've got to make the decision of he's blessed me and I'm worthy of it. Courage is reframing. I said this a couple of weeks ago. Courage is reframing the narrative that you have told yourself about what you experience Courage reframes the story you've told yourself about your own life and whether you're worthy or not. Measure yourself a little differently, folks. He sees you as significant. He sees you as worthy to be loved that you can receive everything he has for you. And that's the first hurdle to get over it. I said this morning as well in the prayer meeting, that spirit that doesn't make us sink back into slavery. We now have a spirit in us which says, Abba, Father, God, I need you. God, you're for me. God, would you come through for me? That's the spirit you now have in yourself. It doesn't shrink back, church. It stands up and says, my God is with me because of what he's done in me. My God can allow me to face these giants because of what he did in Egypt, amen? That's what the truth of it is. And you've got to get over that first hurdle. Jesus has brought you out of your old nature. He's brought you out of your old way of seeing things. Don't be like the Israelites who looked at their giants and just saw their own inability. You've got to go with God and have that different spirit, that Caleb spirit that he had. So a couple of things about courage, really, if we want to just break some of this down. Courage faces fear. Courage looks fear in the eye and says, despite you, I'm moving forward in my life. Despite how you make me feel, I'm going to keep walking forward, emboldened and empowered. But you can't, be, you can't be courageous if you're not afraid. That's a challenge for some of you. You can't show courage if you aren't frightened of something, which means you need to put yourself in a position where you are, may be frightened or afraid that may require a bit of faith to step out, because you can't be courageous if you're being safe. It doesn't, it doesn't work. So you have to be able to step into a situation to go, God, where are you calling me to go? Where are you moving me to into the unknown that may be potentially unsafe in my own mind, but you're with me, you're for me. So we have to challenge ourselves to go, actually, it faces fear. That means stepping out where you're going to grow. But the good news is perfect love casts out All fear. The revelation that he loves me and he's for me and he's with me casts out that fear that you can continually believe for God's goodness. And that's what we need to do. In the story of 2 Chronicles in Jehoshaphat, we know the story of Jehoshaphat where the Ammonites and the Moabites, they're attacking the kingdom of Judah. Jehoshaphat seeks the Lord with his people and he says, we have no idea what to do but we fix our eyes on you. The first part's not so encouraging. I have no idea what to do in my life, but actually are we a wee bit like that? Some of the situations I'm in, in my life, I have no idea how to deal with it, but I fix my eyes on you. And you'll remember in the story, Jahazil stands up in the host of everybody and says, you're not gonna have to fight this battle. God himself will fight on your behalf. But it's an interesting thing in 2 Chronicles. He says, you'll not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. It says in verse 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out. And this is what they said, give thanks to the Lord For he is good, for his love endures forever. Now, the interesting thing about this, we know the story. They went out, lined up on the battlefield, and they praised God. They worshiped him. And actually, the Ammonites and Moabites led, they started to kill one another. They didn't have to fight anything. They didn't have to lift a hand. They just worshiped God and said, because you're good, because your hesed, your kindness, your love is with me forever, you are good, and this is what brings the result. The interesting thing is that the people, they still needed to line up and face the Moabites and the Ammonites. Now, you might just think that's a simple going down into the valley. No, this was a 12-mile march to get to the desert of Tekoa to face their enemy. You can't fix what you won't face, Church. You have got to be prepared to face what is in front of you and worship in the middle of it and praise him in the middle of it and to say, I'm facing this because my God is bigger than you. My God will deliver me through this and that's why I declare he is good. Church, you have got to worship in the middle and some of you, courage for you is to be able to say, God, you're good despite my situation. Some of you, courage is just to praise him despite your ill health. For some of you, it's praising him despite your relational issues, your financial situation, your lack of faith that he can do anything. Some of you, courage is actually just praising him in the middle of it. And God puts his finger on that and says, praise is what brings breakthrough. But you've got to face it. You've got to look at it in the eye like David did with Goliath and says, no matter how big you are, My God is with me. He's for me. He's working in the middle of this. So some of you, courage is the courage within that God wants to bring some fruition. He wants to bring some blessing in. And it starts with declaring he's good no matter what. There's a reason that God prepares a table in the presence of your enemies, but it's after you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23. It's through the fear you get to the feast. It's walking through the fear you then get to see the blessing. You've got to face it. I said this a couple of weeks to people. You've got to face the things that make you afraid because God can't fix it until you face it, until you look at it and say, I can't deal with this in my strength, but he can, but he can, amen? Another one, if you're making notes, courage does not need to be in control. What a relief, because I'm not in control of my own life sometimes. Courage doesn't need you to be in control. Psalm 56 says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. If we can throw that one up there, Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can the flesh do to me? What can my situation really do to me when I'm afraid, I put my trust in him is listening to a song this week and it's, ask those Hebrew boys if he'll be by your side. He'll declare, he'll shut the lion's mouths. Ask them, go and ask them if he's with them in the fire. He's the fourth man in the fire and they will declare he's good all of the time. And in that story with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they're not in control and they say, even if not, we're not bowing down to that statue. Even if I don't know how this is going to go, I will keep declaring, my eyes are fixed on him. Even if I don't know the outcome, I stand in front of my enemies, boldly declaring, my God is with me. Some of you just need to be able to stand and declare, he's with me. Some of you, a little first step isn't believing for the breakthrough, it's just believing he's with me. He's with me, he's for me, no matter what comes against me. So courage doesn't need to be in control. Courage starts where you are right now, not where you think you ought to be. Courage starts where you are right now, not where you hope to be. God strengthens the person that you are right now, okay? We all have these images of ourselves, of I should be here, I should be further along in my life, I should be believing for more, I should, my life should look a lot better than this. God can give you strength and courage right now. David was an anointed king, but he didn't become king for 14 years. He was anointed where he was, right there, right then. God blessed him where he was. You see, when God anoints you to give you strength, to give you courage, he's not anointing the future you. He's anointing you right now. He's saying you are blessed right now. You have strength right now. You have boldness right now in you, that spirit of sonship which lives in you to be able to praise him, to declare he's good, to believe for more, to have faith but it starts with courage within that David had to say, do I want to be this person? Do I want God to lead me into my future? It starts there, where you are right now, not in 10 years. We all have these images of what we'd like to be in five years or if our situation was better. And then we get to the better and actually we still wanna be better and we still wanna improve and we still see mistakes and we still see failures. God says, where you are right now, you are blessed. Where you are right now, I'm with you. Where you are right now, I'm your provision. Where you are right now, I'm going to protect you. Where you are right now, you can begin again to believe that he's moving in your life, that he's working in your life. That's what you can believe for. So courage starts right now where you are, not where you hope to be. Saul wanted David to wear his armor. You remember, he put it on him. And David says, no, 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 I I can't wear this. I've not tested this. This is not mine. This doesn't belong to me. God doesn't anoint the person that people tell you to be either. People will have all sorts of expectations of you. They will tell you, you should be like this. You should believe this. You're a Christian. You're a believer. Your life should look like this. No, God anoints you right now. The person you are, the person he's made you to be and nothing ill-fitting. Throw it off. Other expectations of people saying you should live like this. You should be like this. You should expect this. Align yourself again with what God says about you. You are his beloved. You are his, he delights in you. He delights in you. No, David is beloved. That's what it means. David is beloved. Beloved of God, stepping in front of the giant with courage. No matter what anybody else tries to put on you, no matter what the world says, you should conform to this. Put this armor on you. This is how you should look. This is how your life should be. Throw it off and say, God, you've created me with a purpose. You've created me with a purpose in my life. You are capable of overcoming any situation you're in because of who you are and who God's made you to be right now. Free yourself from that. God loves the person you are right now. He will change you. He will improve your life. He will make you more like Jesus. But you right now, he loves you. So you don't need to turn away the way the Israelites in their own sight were so insignificant. The scriptures in the story of David, it actually specifically says time and time again how insignificant David was. And it says that after he kills Goliath, he stands in front of him. I come at you with the name of our God, the God of our armies, the Israel's armies. He says, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of our God. The battle belongs to the Lord. He declares this over Goliath. And then it actually mentions once he kills Goliath, cuts off his head with Goliath's sword. It highlights again, there was no sword in David's hand before the fight. Some of us think that we need certain things to start to believe again. We need God to do something quickly before I can begin to believe. We need our situation to look a little different. The scripture says he had no sword in his hand. He wasn't equipped in the natural whatsoever to fight Goliath. He actually had no business being on the battlefield at all. Even the stones that he grabbed, the picture of grace, five stones, it made no sense. Goliath was nine feet tall. Like it didn't make a lot of sense. But God says at the right time, I will provide for you. At the right time, you will have everything you need. You may not have a sword in your hand. You may not have all of the natural resources you wish you had, but all you need is my grace in the middle of this to reach in, pull it out, believe he's with me, take a step of faith, say, I'm facing you down, and then at that time, God will provide for you. He kills Goliath with his own sword. Whatever situation you're in, God will give you what you need to overcome it when you're in it, okay? But it starts by walking into it. Starts by having courage within, which says, I want to be the person God has called me to be. Yeah. Is it a challenge? Sometimes, absolutely, but there's grace in it. I want to be the person of integrity. I want to be the person of truth and of honesty and of goodness and of love and of faith and believing for all these things. But thank God I do it in his grace. Thank God he's got grace for me. I'll make mistakes at times, but it starts with my yes. I wanna be like that. I wanna be who you've called me to be. And then once you have that revelation, then you can stand against anything that comes against you. Once you have decided in your heart, I want to be the person you've called me to be, therefore I'll face you down and trust and believe. Courage, and I get a bit passionate about this because it's been on my heart for a long time, it must be taken. Courage must be seized. You must make a decision to grasp it. It doesn't just happen to you. You don't just start, as I said, you don't just start to feel courageous. It starts with movement. It starts with action. It starts like a will to act. Remember I said that a couple of weeks ago? It's the will to act despite my fear. It's the will to act like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when all of his feeling was saying, I don't know about this, Father. Take this cup from me, but I want your will. It's the willingness to act. It's the willingness to get out of the boat and take a step of faith. It's the willingness to say, I'll face Goliath. I'll face that situation. It is this willingness, but there must be seized. You must take control of it. There are many situations in your life you don't have control over, but you have control over what's going on in here. You get to decide how you respond to what's happening. And God says to you, have courage. Do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid. I am with you every step of the way. And how that, how that looks practically, in terms of seizing courage. Thankfulness seizes courage. Now, I'm not talking about like this, look for the silver lining in the worst of situations and there is no silver lining. You've got to pretend there's a silver lining. Like, let's, let's get real here. There are some situations they don't quite have a silver lining in them right now, but you can be thankful because of what he's done in my past. And if I can be thankful for what he's done in my past, then I know actually he's with me in my future. So in the situation that you're in right now, you might not find a silver lining, but the importance of gratitude, I think Andrew mentioned this as well, gratitude actually has been known scientifically, it can reduce pain, it can help your sleep, it's ultimately responsible for happiness, it drives positive emotions, it can help regulate stress, anxiety, and fear. Gratitude can actually restructure your brain, See if you have a tendency to worry about things, what you do is you create a pathway to receive negative information more quickly uh, because you're used to it. You're used to worrying. And the more you worry, the more your brain goes, yeah, that's normal. Let's think about that. You can restructure your brain when you decide, I'm gonna be thankful actually for what God's done in my life. I'm gonna be thankful even though I can't see how this is going to work out and there is no silver lining right now, I can declare that he's with me. I'm thankful he's with me. I'm thankful what he's put in me. Having an attitude of gratitude is actually how you live strong, how you live courageous. And some of you need to look at your situation and go, I don't know how I'm getting through this, but I'm thankful that he's with me right now. I don't have the resource to deal with this. I've got no strength to deal with this, but I'm thankful that he's put something in me, which means I'll be on the other side of this at some point. Some of you have got to declare that, and that's where courage starts in here so then you can stand against, okay? That's where it starts. Gratitude is so important. And I wanna show you a little thing, the importance of gratitude here. We have been talking about memorial stones the last couple of months, haven't we? The, The Israelites, when they crossed the Jordan, they put the stones up so that future generations would see the goodness of God. There are three places in the Old Testament where memorial stones are used, okay? The first one is Jacob. And Jacob's ladder, remember he has the dream of the angels coming up and down. He meets God in this place of grace and God blesses him when he has this dream. And he sets up a stone and he calls it Bethel, house of God. And he sets up the stone there to remind himself, I met God there in a place of grace where I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I'm fresh off stealing my brother's birthright and God still met me in a place of grace. And he names it there. That's the first stone. The second memorial stone is when they cross the Jordan and they say that the future generations will see the goodness of God. The third stone is in First Samuel when the prophet Samuel sets up, it's the Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer, it's this stone of help when the Philistines come against the people of Israel and God delivers them. Three stones. And in 1 Samuel 7:16, right after the third stone is put up there, it says, From year to year he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal, it's where the second stone was put, to Mizpah, the three stones. And he goes on a circuit every year and judges Israel, leads them, governs them in those places every single year. At the start of this year, church, you have got to go on a circuit in your life of all of the places that God has been, you're thankful for what he's done. All of the places in your past This is what he did for me 10 years ago. This is what he did five years ago. This is what he did last year. I go to my anxiety and I may be anxious, but I remember he brought me through anxiety before. I may have not had faith for my health then, but I remember a time he delivered me. You have got to go on a circuit of thankfulness because it builds faith in your life for the future. You hear me? You've got to go on this. No matter what your situation is right now, David facing Goliath, he had never faced Goliath before but he knew the lion and the bear, and he had faced them. He recalls what God had done in his life. That's how you seize and take control. That's how you seize courage. You go, I don't know what's happening in my future. And here I stand here today, I don't know what's happening in my future, but I know he is with me because of what he's done before. Think of the situations you have in your life relational, financial, health, lack of faith, what God's asking you to do, and recall what he's done. Go on a circuit, go on a journey. January's almost over. We've had 400 weeks of January. We're almost through it. Go on a circuit before you get into the year and go, God, you were with me last year. God, you were with me during COVID. God, you were with me during my health. You were with me during my time where I had no money. You were with me in that relational issue. You were with me. And because you were with me, You will be with me in the future. That's how you seize and take control and say, that's what courage is. That's why, Joshua, when I command you to be strong and courageous, you can walk into your future because as I was with Moses, so I'm with you. Recall it. Go on that journey and do what Samuel did. Create that circuit of thankfulness. Lastly, and I've got to go with time, is courage is fueled by faith. It's fueled by the faith in what God can do. It's not in your own strength. It's not in your own ability. As Second Chronicles will say, and again, this is be strong and courageous everywhere. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria. This is where King Hezekiah, again, the Assyrians are coming, but here we are again. Be strong and courageous because with this king, with this enemy, it's just the only the arm of the flesh but with our Lord, our God, to help us and fight our battles. And then what happens? The people gain confidence from courage. People gain confidence from when you stand up and go, I'm strong courageous because he's with me. I'm strong courageous because he's working in my life. And that's when confidence comes. See, courage is contagious. Courage around you will affect the people around you. Billy Graham says this. I think he says something about uh, whenever other people are, whenever you're courageous, the spines of others are stiffened. So whenever you are courageous around you spiritually, people will be emboldened as well. So I challenge you, church, have a bit of courage this morning. Look again at your situation and go, yeah, I'm insignificant in my own strength, but I'm not looking through that lens anymore. I'm not going to measure myself the way that the Israelites measured themselves. I'm measuring myself, as Stevie said, I'm measuring myself against the finished work of Jesus. I'm righteous, holy, blameless, and loved all of the time. Therefore, I can stand against Goliath in not in my own strength, but in his strength with me. Anytime God says, be strong, courageous, he doesn't just leave it at that. He says, For I am the Lord your God. For I am your shield. For I am your provision. If God was just saying, be strong, courageous, that would last about three minutes in my life. But he says, for I am with you. For I am working in your life. I am your strength and your shield and your provision. I am faithful in your life. Some of you look at your situations and you're telling yourself to be stronger, to be more courageous, but you're leaving out that bit which is, God, you are with me. And that changes everything, everything. Any relationship issues, family issues, difficulties, the things that make you anxious, the things that you struggle with, face it again, for he is with me. And I rely on him out of faith. God doesn't call you to feel confident, but he calls you to have courage. I said this a couple of weeks ago, David's courage didn't come from a confirmation that he was going to face and beat Goliath. God hadn't told him that he was going to win against Goliath. God didn't drop down in a wee vision and say, oh, by the way, you're going to see Goliath tomorrow and you're going to fight him. No, he didn't do that. He had courage because he faced the lion and the bear before. He had courage because of his past. Your courage doesn't come from what you know is going to happen. It comes from what you know has happened. And he will bring me through. That's a challenge, but it's a challenge that God puts right now in front of you to say, where can I have more courage? Where do I need to take courage from? The Israelites, as they step over the Jordan, as I finish here, the Israelites, as they step over the Jordan, they walk into the promised land and the first battle they face is Jericho. Now, for those who don't know, Jericho was the lowest point on the earth. It was the oldest city of the earth at this point. And they walk around the walls and we know what happens. The walls fall. When you decide, like Joshua, to lead the people, to lead yourself over what God has for you into the battle that he has for you, it doesn't matter if it's the lowest point in your life. It doesn't matter if it's the oldest problem that you're dealing with in your life. God can bring victory in it. And it starts with your yes. It starts with your, I believe what you say, God, so I'm marching into it no matter what it is. And your courage comes from what he's done in the past. So the question is, where do I need more courage? Can I begin again to believe again for the goodness of God in this situation? And I might not have seen God's goodness in it for a while. I might not have seen God's goodness in it recently. But where can I begin again, courage within, to believe he's called me for a purpose, he's called me for a reason, and I can stand up in front of that? That's the challenge. But it starts with your yes and a total reliance on his strength because he's the one that brings you through. Stand for me if you can. I want to pray for you. <coughs> Actually, do you know what? Sorry, stay seated. Stay seated for me. <laughs> I've done. Pantomime still. Um, stay seated. I want to pray for you um, before, before we do respond. Um, you know, there's so much I could talk about in that. There's, there's, there's layers and layers and layers. that I could do a whole series on being courageous. But the truth of it is, God's scratching the surface to get away some of the stuff we put in between what He says and what we think and what we feel. And He's laying a challenge before some of you, which is, face it again in His grace, because He can't fix what you won't face. but you've got to face it: your fears, your worries, your anxiety, and you make the declaration that when I am afraid, I trust Him, and you will be afraid. There are times in my life I am afraid. There are times in my life that I fear. But in the middle of the fear, I say, Jesus, you're with me. You're for me. You're working in my life. And God is putting his finger on a couple of things for you. Where do you need to stand again to say God is good? Where do you need to declare again to say that he's good and he's with me? For some of you, that just starts with praising him in the middle of that situation. It doesn't even mean dreaming for the future and dreaming for the breakthrough. For some of you, it just means declaring, he's good. For some of you, it just means declaring, hallelujah, praise you, God. For some of you, it means admitting, I don't know how this is gonna work out, but I trust you. God says, break the barrier on that first bit of courage, and then you'll be able to face it once you declare, I know who you are. You're with me, you're for me. So I wanna take a moment, just with every eye closed, I wanna take a moment. Think about your life. Think about situations. Courage is the will to act. It's the will to move. And I want to challenge some of you here. This takes a bit of boldness, but every eye closed. If there's a situation in your life, you say, yeah, I need more courage there. I'm making the decision to believe again. I'm making the decision again to believe that he's good. I'm making the decision to declare he is good. And every eye will be closed. I want to encourage you, if you feel a sense in your spirit, God, you're calling me to be on my guard, to stand firm again, to be strong. I want where you are, with every eye closed, I want you to stand. I want you to say, yeah, I'm going to physically stand as an act to myself. Nobody's looking. As an act to myself. That I believe, God, you're moving in my life. You make the decision. Thank you for those that are standing. Nobody's going to ask you about it. I'm not going to come and say, You were standing, I want to talk to you about that. No, this is between you and God. Where you go again, you say, I'm being strong and courageous, I'm making the decision to stand having done all to stand in his strength and his mighty power despite my fear it's going to take another moment the will to act like you did Jesus in the garden like you did Peter in the boat and I felt this for someone before the service like Abraham did after he had been given Isaac He'd been given the promise and then god tells him to take him up the mountain some of you have believed for a promise and blessing and god has given you it at some point in your life but you feel like it's slipping away the way abraham would have felt when he was told to take isaac up the mountain and it makes no sense and at the right time god provides the ram at the right time god provides the sacrifice feel that for someone in your life, there's a disappointment there, but God granted you something. He gave you a blessing. He gave you a gift, and then it feels like it's been taken away from you. God says at the right time, you'll have grace. At the right time, you'll have blessing. Father, I want to thank you for what you're doing in this place. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in this room. You are in our hearts. We can be strong and courageous because of you. We can be bold. The righteous are as bold as a lion, it says, because of what you've done in my life. It transcends feeling. It's faith in you, trust in your grace. The word says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For those that are standing, you can take your seats now. Thank you. I'm going to just invite Stevie up just to lead us in communion. And then we'll take the offering before worship.
0: Thank you. Can we all stand? should have actually done this earlier, but I got carried away. forgot myself. I read a wee thing. I think it was in Joseph Prince yesterday. He said when we're taking communion, about treating it almost like a familiar thing, like a, like a, almost like, like a common thing. And he said when you just take the bread in your hands, imagine that it's the Lord Himself has just broke that bread and handed it to you personally. So if you just want to take the bread, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, that this is one of those moments of grace that Adam spoke about. Where we reflect and think of what you've done and remember that your body was broken for us, Lord. That we can be healed. Lord, that those things that have affected us and like our mental capacity, whatever way it might be, our thinking, whatever. Things have been disrupted, Lord. As we take this bread, Lord, we know it brings healing to our bodies, to our minds, and we take it and give thanks in Jesus' name. Uh, Take the cup. That represents your blood. That was shed willingly for us, for the full remission of sins, that lets us come before you today as righteous. We can stand before you, Lord, and you look at us, and you see our sins no more. You actually see us as white as snow, our sins are washed away. You see your Son Jesus in us. So, Lord, we take the cup that represents your blood, and we give you thanks.